Matthew 8. faith comes, the begging will stop. Until faith comes, begging is all you got. But God's showing us a higher place. Now, I want you to, to listen to these passages of Scripture, but I want you to listen to them in the light of that when faith comes, begging will stop. We'll expand on this a little bit more as we go. In the 8th chapter of Matthew, starting in the 23rd verse. Are you there? And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Catch that phrase there. But he was asleep. The ship was covered with waves, wrapped up with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now if you would, turn over to the 11th chapter of the same book of the book of Matthew. We're going to start reading in the 25th verse, but we're going to be settling down in the latter part of this chapter. 25th verse. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. Say with me, babes. Babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemeth good in thy sight, and all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. 
Jesus came for a purpose to reveal the Father. Who are the ones that receive Him? Who's the ones that are He's revealed to? Him? Babes. 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 Childlike faith. Catch the next part. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What in the world has these two passages of Scripture got to do with each other? One's talking about a yoke, his ways, and the other one is out here on the water. Could there be more of a tie than we think that there is? The ones that are going to see him, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whom the Son hath revealed him. The Son wants to reveal the Father. The very next verse starts out like this. See if you catch it. Coming to me. Coming to me. To whom the Father will reveal, coming to me. To whom the Father will reveal, coming to me. Who will, who will he reveal it to? Babes. Babes. Not childish, childlike. Not childish, childlike. There's something that moves God. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we would know what's the hope of your calling and what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what's the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. According to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. And I ask that you grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I ask you for divine utterance this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us, your people, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we were um, a week or so ago, I had, a, had the privilege of going to a, a camp meeting up in Nashville for a just a few nights. Well, after the after the meeting for the uh, ministers and all, they had it set up so that um, you could go back and we sat together and had something to eat. Well, the first night that we were there, I didn't know it, but they had they had these little um, name tags where you table you were supposed to be sitting at. 
somebody else I knew that was at this table. So we just went on over there and sat with them. Never paid no attention to no name tag. I hope we didn't upset the system. But we had a good fellowship that night. But I saw over at this other table an elder, elderly couple. We were supposed to be sitting with them, but we weren't sitting with them. I told Sandy the next night, I said, um, I don't sit over there with them. I didn't care where my name was at. I'd already missed out one opportunity. I didn't want to miss out on another. So I, we sat down beside it, we introduced ourselves, and the man was sitting here, and I was sitting here. His wife was here, Sandy was beside me. This was all that they were at the table. And we got, we got talking, and he was telling me that before he was called to the ministry, he was, uh, had a surveying business, and he worked as a surveyor and had people underneath of him, and, but he also had a, had a job with the state as doing surveying work for them. And he said that there was this preacher that was there also. And the preacher asked him one day, he said, are you saved? And he said, he didn't know why, but he, he looked at him and he said, uh, I'm just as saved as you are. And he said, and after he said that, he noticed there was he was either a piece of paper on the ground or he was standing on a piece of paper. And when he found that, picked up that piece of paper, it was he said it was out. And he didn't look at it then, he just picked it up and shoved it in his pocket. You know what it was? It was a page out of a Bible that was laying on the ground. And he picks it up and he shoves it in his pocket. Doesn't draw any attention to it right then. But he reads it that night. And the Holy Spirit started to work on him. He says, come unto me. 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 This is what I'm saying. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Come unto me. Come unto me. All you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a rest that God has for the people of God. See, people in this world don't know about this rest. And many people in the church don't know nothing about this rest. But God's got a rest for his people. And Jesus gives us a picture of the rest at work. And a lot of times we get caught up in one part of the story and miss the, miss the most important part of the story. So Jesus tells his disciples, you've got to read it from a different, different like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptic gospel. And each one gives a little teeny bit different picture of the same account. 
when it's when it's in their when it's in their book. Well, Jesus has just ministered. He's been upon no different case, and he says, "Let us go over to the other side." So they say, "That sounds like a good idea. Let's go over to the other side." But while they embark on their journey to the other side, something out of the normal happens. A storm arises and it starts filling the boat with water. The waves and the wind are contrary that it says in, in one rendering. And they finally come to Jesus and wake him up. Is it just because Jesus is so much more tired than they are that he's able to sleep at a time like this? Say, he's like, Jesus must be like Sammy. <laughs> he can sleep anywhere. But Jesus is in the same exact storm that they're in. He's exposed to the same waves and the same water that they're exposed to. And a lot of times we would try to reason it off as he was just so tired that he could have slept anywhere. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe there's a greater truth that many times that we don't catch from the Word of God. When the Holy Spirit wants us to catch it. Because there is a rest for the people of God. There's a rest that's in Jesus. But it's revealed from the Father just like Jesus was revealed to the Father, from the Father. And just like other people couldn't see the Father, the ones that see the Father is the ones that Jesus reveals the Father to. Who does He reveal them to? We've got a, we've got a clue, we've got a connection. He, re, he reveals them to babes. Well, we all start out as babes, but do we stay babes? We shouldn't. We should go through the different stages of development just like we go through the different stages of development in our natural lives. But there's a characteristic that never needs to change whether you're the most mature person that there is in the kingdom of God or you're just beginning. That we should be like babes when it comes to God talking to us and our expectation from Him when He says something that a child, they just believe what, what you say. Holly told, told uh, the example of Tyler. When we were growing up, we never had an air condition the whole time of my growing up life. But we had big pecan trees that were all around the house. But in one of these pecan trees, there was something that was different altogether. It had a big limb coming out of it, and we had a rope with a bag 
filled with sawdust at the bottom of it. And man, that was that thing was better than any amusement ride that you could go on. And we had people, I mean grown boys that would come up there to swing on that swing. Because that swing was phenomenal. And it looked like it was so huge. That tree had a had a, a great big base to it and had a fork that came up like this. And we would stand in that fork. And when you little, all of those things looked so big. You look at it and say, well, that thing ain't all that high. But I tell you what, when you're littler, it's high. And a child is like this. You could take them and put them up in the fork. And they would stand there and be looking all around and they'd say, come here. And you better be ready. Because they're getting ready to come. They're getting ready to sail out of that tree. You know, do you catch what I'm saying? That's a childlike face. Because they wouldn't jump if they didn't believe that you weren't going to catch them. And many people in church won't do what God says to do because they don't believe that God's going to catch them. That they're going to be hung out and dry. They're going to suffer their own hard luck if they do this. Instead of putting any faith. But Jesus said... Nobody knows me unless the Father reveals it to him. And nobody knows the Father unless that's revealed to him. So this thing of walking by faith is something that comes through a revelation from the Father. Do you know the agency that he uses here on the earth this day and time? He uses the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded and I want to share this with you. I was reading just the other day, and I never, I never grasped this concept before. But I want to help us to grasp it. There's a Greek word for the Holy Spirit, and it's the paraclete. And the paraclete means simply a helper. One who's called along to assist and to help is a picture of what paraclete means. And it says that the paraclete, Jesus said this, the paraclete is your helper. He's called along to assist you. He's here on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But I, I, when, when I read this, there was a light that went off, Curtis, inside of me because... In the footnote in my Bible, it said that at just, as Jesus is the paraclete, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete here on earth. Jesus is the paraclete in heaven. So we got a helper in heaven, and we got a helper on earth. And Jesus says, it's, it's expedient that I go away, because if I don't go away, the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost cannot come. But when He comes, when He comes, He's going to be this helper. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. Now when he comes, and he's wanting to help, but he's revealed to us. He's revealed to us.
And he's also revealed in us. So through this, this getting to know him. Now I want to take and I want to shift a gear. And I want to take us back to the disciples on the boat. The waves are breaking over and the boat is filling up with water. But Jesus is in the hinder part of the boat asleep. I want to use another word there to help us just to see this. Rest. Because when you are really sound asleep, your body is in a state of rest. There's something... For people that can't sleep or have trouble sleeping, let me encourage you to try to enter into this because there's something that happens to your body that is it's a supernatural healing that takes place that your cells renew. There's a rejuvenation that takes place inside of you when you're at sleep. When you're in a place of rest, there is something, it's a God-giving, something that's so simple and so natural, but is so disturbed in many people. And God wants us to have that rest. Have you ever, have you ever been asleep and you felt rested? Have you ever been asleep and you didn't feel rested? You felt just as tired as you did when you went to sleep. Because rest is a gift from God. But there is a rest for the people of God. So Jesus was not only, I propose to us, asleep, but he was resting. He was in that place of rest. Now, they were all in the same boat. They were all in the same circumstance. They were all in the same condition. Would that be fair to assume that? They were all in the same boat. They were all experiencing the same storm. But the effect of the storm was affecting different ones differently. Now here's a good revelation. If you write, write this down. When the disciples came to Jesus and woke him, and they said, look at me, man. They said, Master, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? The, boat's, the boat is sinking. We're going to die. And Jesus gets up. And he rebukes them. He rebukes them. He rebukes them. See, most of the time, if we have a word of correction, one of two things happen. We either get under guilt and condemnation about it, and we feel like that we're the sorriest thing that there is in the world, or we do another one that my mama would address it like this. We get mad. Stick our lip out. Stomp off in an ungentleman-like way. 
or an unladylike way. Because nobody likes to be corrected. And nobody does like to be corrected. But sometimes correction is important. Because if they weren't corrected, they would, they would keep going on that same avenue or way. And God, through Jesus, was trying to steer them off of that way. Because that way doesn't lead us where we need to go. So my mama would say it like this. She said, she'd say, uh, get your butt off your shoulders. You know, sometimes that thing climb right on up there, sit right down there, and then we'll start acting like what's on our shoulders. <laughs> you can fill in all the blanks. <coughs> we'll, we'll act like that. Jesus wasn't saying these words to destroy his disciples. He had been instilling and putting things in his disciples. But when things, when something came up that needed to be corrected, he corrected it. It's up to us how we receive the correction or how we view the correction or how we accept the correction. Because, let's mark it down. The ones God loves, he corrects. Got any scripture for that? Yeah, we do. The ones that God loves, He corrects. Let me give us a newsflash, because we ain't always right. But God is always right. And Jesus gets up from His place of rest. But let me interject another thought right here. Because... In that place of rest is where you'll rise to your place of authority. That's a good word right there. That's a revelation right there. From that place of rest will position you to rise in your place of authority. And Jesus is our example of that. When he spoke a word of correction or a word of rebuke, to the disciples, it came from a place of rest. It wasn't so. I can't believe them, them stupid, unbelieving disciples would wake me up at a time like this. Didn't they know that I was asleep? That wasn't the attitude. That wasn't what he was portraying. Let me get my eye back on this. And Jesus rebukes them this way. Where, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Now, in our Wednesday night classes, there was something that was brought out about this particular verse that I am so thankful for. 
Because right teaching will help get us anchored in right thinking. And when our thinking is off, our believing is off. And when our believing is off, our speaking is off. But Jesus here is pulling something back in order because God is a God of order. Now he has been in that place of rest. He wakes from this place of rest. Not only does he take care of business with the storm, but he takes care of business with his disciples. And he draws their attention to something to correct something. And if we're not correctable, we got a we got a hard road to hoe. Because what the enemy would want them to do was to get under uh, condemnation about what was just what Jesus did. He woke out of sleep and he rebuked me. I ain't the problem. The wind is the problem. The waves is the problem. I ain't filling this boat up. The waves and the waters, the waves and the waters filling this boat up. I'm not the problem. Why is he getting on me? Why is he correcting me? <coughs> but he does address something in them. Just as they were in the boat and the waves were affecting them, there was also something that was getting into them and it was going to affect their lives. And he wanted them to get the truth of it, to be able to recognize it, to see it. Brothers and sisters, it's a must that we see the things that God is trying to show us. And he uses his word to teach us. And he addresses something that we in all different circumstances are faced with. One of the first is something like this. You have a pain in your body. And you start saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood. Is anything wrong with saying the name of Jesus? And is it anything wrong with pleading the blood? But I give, us, I give us a piece of insight from the Word of God that might help us much in this area. Because don't never belittle the name of Jesus. And don't never belittle the blood of Jesus. Because it is invaluable to us as believers. But... This is not what he was addressing. He was addressing something else and it would behoove us to catch what he was addressing. And that was, why are you fearful or why are you full of fear? See, there's something that you, you, you can be able to recognize and this will help you to recognize Jesus told his disciples, let's go over to the other side. They were on the same page with him. They said, let's go over to the other side. 
If the wind would have been blowing and the waves would have been kicking, they would, they would have probably said, you know, it might not be a good idea to go over to the other side right now. But they were on the same page with Jesus and they said, let's go over to the other side. But while they were in the middle of their circumstance, something changed. Their, the dynamics of their circumstance changed. But there was something that was even greater than that. There was something inside of them that changed. This is what Jesus was addressing. He was addressing the fear that they were opening their hearts to. Because when the fear is there, you can cry out the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and we're, and we're calling it, speaking it out of unbelief. So, Jesus addresses this and he says, why are ye fearful? If you've got a pain in your body, it's not wrong to address it with the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. But one thing that you may have to do is to shut down the fear. Because it might go away like this. It might play out sort of like this in your mind. Because we all know how the mind wants to work. It, go, it takes a... You get a pain. You get a headache. Thought come to you. Brain tumor. Brain tumor. Well, it's just a headache. Well, my mama died Uncle Jim died with a brain tumor. Oh my God, I'm dying. Because fear has a way of slipping in just so easily. And it uses those circumstances to be able to do this. So Jesus addresses something with them before he addresses the storm. Now isn't that amazing? Why don't he just cut to the chase and rebuke the storm and, and we would have this whole thing settled. But that wasn't the issue. Jesus deals with the issue before he deals with the circumstance. That's good information right there. So Jesus addresses what's affecting them because they think it, if, the, if the winds calm down, I won't have this problem. No, you still got the same problem. You just ain't in the right circumstance to bring it up. Jesus wants to speak something into them and this word of correction is there to settle something because a lot of times we can't change anything because we're not aware that we're really having this problem. But when we recognize really what the problem is, we can address and take a hold of this thing with God because the ones that he reveals it to, the babes, the ones that want to hear, the ones that want to receive what he has to say. The ones that when he says, jump. You know how to coax them into jumping. They done to sail out of the tree. And then you better be ready to catch them. Because if you don't catch him, that ground is going to catch him. Tyler was like that. 
that if you told him to jump, you better be ready. You better be ready. Because he was sailing out of whatever he was on. How's our trust when it comes to the Lord? So Jesus rebukes them for the fear. How do you know that they were fearful? Let me get back to the first part of the story. Here he is on the shore and he tells his disciples, let's go over to the other side. How do you know they're fearful? Because their story changed. Their story changed. You can listen to your mouth and see how your story changes or if your story stays the same. Once your story changes, something else is slipped into the picture to change the dynamics of it. Here in this particular case, it was fear that <coughs> slipped in because he rebukes them for their fear. And then he rebukes them for their little faith. Well, why didn't he just start with the little faith and just leave the fear out altogether? Can I explain something to us that might help us to understand this a little better? I'm going to draw, imagine this from right here to that window over there, a tightrope or a line. And on this line is where something flows. On this side is fear. But on this side is faith. They're on the same line. They're not different lines. Faith is in what God said. Fear is in what you feel or what the devil says. So, at this, they're not going to be operating the same, at this, the same way. Even though they're on the same line because one's going to get precedent. There'll be time, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee. Oh my God, we're going to drown. The winds are contrary to us. He addresses the fear. He addresses the little faith. Why is it that he was asleep and at rest in the boat and they were troubled and full of anxiety? I'm here to propose to us, brothers and sisters, that there's a rest for the people of God. The things that, that unsettled us at one time don't have to unsettle us now. To whom the Father reveals himself, to whom Jesus reveals himself. Who does he reveal himself? To the babes. To the babes. One of the characteristics of babes is they want to hear. They want to hear. They, they've been exposed to nothing else and they just believe. 
the simple things that he says. And then Jesus, after he has addressed this problem in them, he addresses the cause of it out here on the outside. And he rebukes the wind. Now I want to give a picture. Have you ever seen in some of these cartoons how the um, how a storm is portrayed? And you'll have this dark cloud that's shaped like a head and it's got a mouth and it's blowing air out. And it's like the devil was out here. The prince of the power of the... Say it with me. The prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. There was a realm that he worked in. And he was able to work in this realm. And he was able to upset these disciples because of their fear and little faith. Their fear and their little faith. But Jesus gets up from rest, from sleep, and he addresses what they thought could not be addressed. You say, Jesus, save us. What do you think Jesus was going to do? Wrap his arms around. He was going to be a submarine. And if, it, if the winds got heavy enough and the rain and the stuff, the waves got big enough that it weren't going to fill up the boat. Jesus addresses this. And he speaks, peace be still. But he also, and they noticed something about this. He said, what kind of manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Why do you think he went over all of this spill with them about their fear and little faith? Why do you think he did that about the fear and the little faith? I'm challenged with this idea. And I want to communicate this idea with us today. The reason that Jesus dealt with the fear and the little faith is because they could have done the same thing. They just didn't know it. They could have done the same thing, but they didn't know it. They could have done the same thing, but they didn't know it. I've shared this before. I want to share it again right now. John Alexander Dowie was a Scottish preacher. He had been across the Atlantic many times. He said most of the times that he went across the Atlantic, a storm would arise. This was before the day that they had all of the satellite stuff and all to show you about where the storms were at. And he said, I would simply do like Jesus would do. I would stand on the, on the deck of that ship and I would speak to that ship, I mean to that storm, and command it to stop in the name of Jesus. And he said, every time those storms would cease. Well, I ain't never heard of nobody doing that. Well, you heard of it now. You heard of that? There's a lot of things we ain't never heard of that we're hearing about. Let's believe like 
a babe. Like a babe. <laughs> Becky brought a book to church, and we went over it on Wednesday night. It's a book Allison had gave her. And it's a lady in Tulsa. Sister, um, I got a name on the end of my tongue. Jeannie Wilkerson. Mightily moved, moved by, on by God. And the Spirit of God spoke to her and told her something. Because Oklahoma is known for bad, severe storms that can cause havoc. And the, the Holy Spirit spoke something to her one day and He said, you better learn how to take authority over these storms. So, here Jesus is talking to His disciples and rebuking them for the fear and lack of faith. And the Holy Spirit speaking to her and says, you better learn how to take authority over these storms. Can we do that? Jesus said that we could. Will we, be, will we keep operating in that fear and unbelief that we've been operating in the past or will we be, be like days and catch on to what He's saying? I may not know all about this stuff, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't want this thing tearing up all of my stuff and I don't want to tear up my neighbors. And I don't want tearing up my church and my family. So I do this. We'll say, you, will you preach? Well, I can show you some help. <laughs> See, I'm not the body of Christ by myself. We are the body of Christ. These disciples were the disciples of Jesus. Jesus was trying to impart to them who he was. The message that he was carrying. The authority that he had. Because they said in another place that they noticed this, that when Jesus sent them out two by two, that even the devils were subject to them in his name. They recognized that they had an authority. See, there's an authority, brothers and sisters, that's been given to us by Jesus himself. We're aided in all of this by the help of the paraton, the one called along beside to help us. You mean I can speak to a storm? I believe you can. I believe we should. That when a storm starts to show its ugly head, that we would be bold enough to say, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. And you will not do my house any harm. You will not do my children any harm. You will not do my church members any harm. You won't do my neighbors any harm. Let your neighbors be blessed because of who you are. Let your neighbors be blessed because of who you are. 
the Holy Spirit said to her, you better learn how to take authority over those storms. Now, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit would ever prompt somebody to do something like that if they didn't have authority to be able to do it. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. But when he prompts you to do something, we need to take a hold of his promptings. We need to be like it would have been when, when correction comes that we listen to it and not kick it to the curb because if there's a correction that came it's to prepare you for what's coming ahead. What may follow. Develop this authority right where you're at so that you can take authority in the future. But if you blow it off or we blow it off and say, well, I don't believe that stuff. Well, you don't have to worry about it because it will not work for you. Because it will not work in a heart of unbelief. So, God won't make us believe Him. But He will encourage us to. He will not make us believe Him. But He will encourage us to. That's enough information for one setting. Come back tonight and we'll get some more. Amen? Anybody got a special need in here that we can hook our faith up with this morning? We're still going to get married. Johnny, we're still going to get married. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come here, baby. <laughs> Ain't she beautiful? Yes, I know. Ain't she beautiful? She, you know, she, she tells people things like this. She says, you're beautiful inside and out. And I'm going to say, Ain't she beautiful inside and out? But a lot of times we don't believe what somebody else says to us. And there's a lot of times that we don't believe what God says to us. Jesus said these words to his disciples. And then he spoke with authority. But he gave them a picture. You can do this also. You can do this also. You can do this also. So when fear wants to come our way to shut us down, use your faith and shut it down. Use the name of Jesus over the fear. Because if you don't, fear will shut you down from using your faith in your circumstance. Yes. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. He's a liar. He's a liar. I come against any spirit of fear that would want to attach itself to Lynn. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want to address something. I'm standing right here. Anything, whether it be a word, a circumstance, a dream, anything that tries to move us out of a place of peace, you can readily see that it's not from God. Because Peace is the way that he flows. Peace is the way that he moves. This is one of the ways that you can that you can tell about fear. Does it move me out of my place of peace? Put a value, put a premium on your peace. And don't allow anything in that would move you out of that place of peace. Take authority over it. Just as you spoke the name of Jesus to take authority over that fear that was trying to attach itself to you. Anything that would attack, try to move you out of that place of peace, use that same name. Use that same blood. And use your authority that Jesus gave to you and the Holy Spirit is inside of you to reinforce it. He's inside of you to reinforce it. Because you don't want those things hanging around. Because what you will find out, they got tentacles. They make one place and get kind of embedded, and then they want to start spreading. Don't give them that place. Take authority over it quick. Thank you for sharing that with us. She ain't noticed one who has a dream that sometimes you just don't understand. Everything you don't have to understand. But we shouldn't be taking authority. Amen? Stand with you. Lynn, thank you for being bold enough to share that. Father, I thank your peace for your peace. That peace is that passes all understanding. Thank you that you've given us authority. That we can speak and take authority over fear in the name of Jesus. That we can take authority over circumstances in the name of Jesus. And there's power in the name and there's power in the blood. Thank you for that privilege. I speak your blessing over us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.